Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Salty Saints Podcast, where we hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. Today, I am here with my good friend, Randy Spate. He is a pastor at New Hope Church. And uh, Randy, why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about? Yeah, Zach. Well, uh, you know, a couple of days ago in uh, in the uh, preparation for uh, Sundays, we were talking about possible series in the future, and you mentioned something that just really caught my interest. You talked about churchy words, and I'm sure that's not a word, churchy, but uh, the idea sure does communicate. There are a number of words out there that we all use, and I think what's happened is we have used them so much that somehow either they've lost meaning or we've become oblivious to what those words really do mean. So I think it'd be worthwhile to just talk about some churchy words. I think that you are uh, right on the ball there. I, I've got a few written down here. Uh, we were talking about words that go together well. Um, just, the, I mean, the list is huge. We could go on forever talking about churchy words, but we kind of picked a, a starting three here to kind of touch on, and they all go together in a way, uh, and I think they're pretty foundational to the faith as a whole. So if we're going to talk about this, we might as well start here. Um, we've got faith, salvation, and belief, or to believe. And uh, so to get r- the ball rolling, should we just talk about faith to start? Sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, everything kind of uh, starts there. So, uh, yeah, yeah. We have in English two words, faith and belief, or in the verb form, to have faith and to believe. They are actually one word in Greek. Uh, It it is uh, a word that can either be translated faith or to have faith or believe or belief. Okay, um, so wh- why don't we start with like a few verses that kind of sum, sum up faith so we've got something to go off of, something to translate this back into, you know. Um, it looks like we – how about Hebrews 11? Do we have that pulled up? Yeah, 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 yeah. We were thinking about that. Um, that's uh, – of course, Hebrews 11 is called the faith chapter, and it kind of starts out with this really short definition of faith that – I I don't know, a lot of people may have actually even memorized this. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So, you know, their faith is kind of this esoteric, um, uh, in in a sense, it gives the idea of being a a pie in the sky, a a theory. It's, It's something that we hope uh, it, it's something that we put our faith in. But I kind of understand what the author of Hebrews is saying there, but I think that that really distracts us from what the real honest meaning of faith is. Faith is not just a hope. It's a conviction of the certainty of something. And I think that's what the author of Hebrews was really trying to say it's the certainty of something that we might not yet be able to see, but we know it's going to come true. Okay. I think that's huge, too, because I, so often 
uh, when I'm talking to people that, that don't believe, uh, when I'm talking to people, I mean, even some Christians, I mean, many Christians don't, don't know what faith really means. I mean, I've, I've struggled with that a lot in my life too. Um, but it, it always comes back to this, like, oh, so you just believe in, you're just putting your faith blindly in something essentially. Right. And it's like, no, that's, that's not what it is. Like Christianity is, it's supposed to be logical. It's supposed to be, we're supposed to use evidence. We're and, su- and it's historical. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people think faith is um, kind of uh, putting your trust in something that's not really there. And that is absolutely not what faith is. So in the Old Testament, now this, this relates to the concept of faith, but it doesn't really use the word faith. In the Old Testament, there are only 1,100 words. Now, (laughs) they communicate concepts. Um, An average uh, sixth grader uh, today speaking English has a vocabulary of about 23,000 words. Okay. Well, 1,100 words being used to communicate 23,000 concepts? Obviously, words have to double in meaning. So, two words. There is a word in Hebrew that means east. Okay. That word also means sunrise and morning. Now, that's obvious. Sun comes up in the east. That's sunrise. That's the morning. There is a different word that means west. That word also means... Nighttime. Evening (laughs) and nighttime. Yeah, yeah. So so you, you get it. Now, here's where things get really interesting. The word for east also means in front of me. And the word for west means behind me. Now, you think about that and you begin to understand why if you buy a map in Indiana, you'll open it up and at the top of the page is north. North. If you buy a map in Israel and open it up at the top of the page is the east. east. That's wild. <laughs> now, here's where it touches on faith. The word for east, sunrise, morning, in front of, is also the word for the past. Okay. The Hebrew saw it the past is something that was in front of him. The word for west, afternoon, evening, behind me, is also the word for the future. We think of a person as facing the future, going boldly into the future. We're idiots because we have no idea what the future holds. Three months ago, none of us knew that uh, we were going to be spending three months locked in our houses, afraid to go out because of a pandemic that we were being told, if you go out, you're going to catch it and you're going to die. So a Hebrew looks at the past. And what does he see in the past? He sees God. That's where he deposits his faith. His faith is not some future thing hoping for something that might happen. His faith is based in the way he sees God work in the past, 
if he can see God working in his past, he can trust him for his future. So he walks backwards into the future, not knowing what's there, but knowing that the same God that guided him yesterday is going to be there tomorrow. That is faith. That's very scientific, too. I mean, that's, that's we're observing what, what can be seen in order to come to a conclusion on something. I mean, that's, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's incredible. And it, okay, and I just have to ask because you're kind of blowing my mind with the whole East and West thing. Um, it, is there some connection there between when God says that he'll remove your sins from you so far as the East is from the West? Oh, as far as the past from the future, as far as the morning from the evening. Yeah, That's nice. A total separation. That's really interesting. They, they will not be around when he forgives, when he removes those sins. I like that. I like that. Um. So um, we were talking about how faith, uh, well, before we, we started the podcast just now, uh, talking about how faith can be a, a verb or a noun, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and it's kind of amazing. So uh, obviously different languages, uh, words have different things. You can't just take one word and translate it. I, I speak Spanish, and one of my favorite examples of that is uh, – you never ask somebody how old they are. I can take the words, translate them from English, how old are you? And uh, they'll just look at me and shake their heads. They don't understand what I'm saying. I've got to ask them, how many years do you have? Oh, okay. And then they tell me how old they are. So same thing in Greek. This word uh, pistis in, in Greek means both faith and belief. Now we look at that and we see, yeah, that makes sense. Faith, belief, they're kind of the same thing. But here's a little twist on that. There is no separate word for faithfulness in Greek. It's that same noun. So when the word pistis occurs in Greek, you got to kind of let the context tell you is this talking about their faith or their faithfulness? Now, we started out talking about Hebrews 11. That's called the chapter of faith. I don't think it's really the chapter of faith. I think it's the chapter of faithfulness. Because the stories that follow are all stories of men and women who were faithful to the very end. And I think what the author of Hebrews is saying to a church that is living in persecution... Uh, we're at the beginning of Nero's persecution, probably, when the book of Hebrews is being written. Peter's saying you've got to stick it out. Or, or the author of Hebrews is saying you've got to stick it out. You've got to hang on till the very end. You've got to be faithful. Because Moses was faithful, and look at him. Noah was faithful, and look at him. I like that. I like that a lot. Um I, I do also – I think that makes a lot of sense for why there might be some confusion there on the translation where you know, you, we get faith rather than faithfulness. If you're having to use the context to determine the ends, uh, uh, you're going to have differences of opinion there uh, in the You the really final do. Outcome. And then today you have centuries of translation using the word faith. Right. And it's kind of hard to just – 
turn centuries aside and say, nah, they got it wrong. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, the, the, the part that, that blows my mind uh, just about the way the Bible's written in general is taking it back to the original Greek and taking it back to the original Hebrew. And you get such a different scope because we grow up with certain words and certain orders and we attribute certain meanings to those words. And, I mean, that's kind of what we're trying to hash through right now. Um, but we we get connected to those things, and we have a hard time letting go of those things. And honestly, this last year of my life, I've just been going through. I listen to a lot of the Bible Project. I listen to a lot of Apologia Radio. I just try and listen to a lot of people that go back and try and try and read the original manuscripts and give their take on those things. And I, I think it's eye-opening. We, we have the additional uh, uh, problem or, or difficulty or obstacle that words tend to take on new meanings. So uh, if you just ask somebody in the street what faith means, they're going to talk about things like living by faith, uh, you know, uh, uh, on a wing and a prayer. It's, uh, you know, faith is kind of hope. Yeah, I I have faith it'll happen. I I really hope it happens, but I don't think it's really going to. And that is not at all what Scripture is. Right. Faith is concrete. It's evidence based. It's history based. Uh, when we say that that we believe by faith, it's not we believe in Jesus because we hope it's true or we wish it were true. It's because there is historical evidence out there. We believe because he was. Right, right. <laughs> he lived. And he did certain things that, looking at it from a historian's point of view, they are ascertainable. You can look at them and say, oh, yeah, uh, there is huge evidence supporting this right we were just talking about uh was it lee strobel and and yeah. trying to you know he he went in with the intention of debunking jesus debunking scripture and he came out the other end a christian you know and, and everyone's going to look at that differently and, and you know depending on what you go in with if you want to if you absolutely just refuse to believe i mean there's not much Right. we can do for you. <laughs> right. right, right. But um, as you as you sit and listen to this, though, you might be thinking, like, why, why is this important? Why is it important that we're going over uh, these words that we hear so often and everything? Uh, while you may understand what these words mean, the people that you are evangelizing to or spreading the gospel to, they also have their own version of what these words mean. And if you're going into a conversation using words you that that both of you have different views on what those words mean you have to establish your view on that word before you can even make them understand what you're talking about and so we have to we have to think about that always when we're when we're talking to you know atheists in america we're using american language not biblical language and so we have to be very very steadfast in that there's uh, kind of one more thing before we leave the word uh, believe that uh, I would like, well, maybe two more things. Uh, one of the things I'd like to talk about is uh, Josephus. Josephus was a historian who wrote at about uh, the time of Paul, uh, maybe a little bit after. He might have been writing more about the time that John 
uh, was writing his gospel and and, uh, the book of Revelation. So uh, Josephus talks about um, uh, his own life, and he said that he was sent to stop a rebellion by a certain fellow. And uh, when he got to the city where this fellow was kind of holed up with all of his followers, uh, they had quite a few followers, and they were very well armed. So he asked for a private meeting with the guy. Uh, the guy came out, and Josephus brought all his bodyguards, so it wasn't all that private. <laughs> but the interesting thing is what Josephus said. Josephus talked to him about what he believed about uh, his political views, And then Josephus said, believe in me. Hmm. And he said, repent and believe in me. Exactly what Jesus said. Now, what Josephus was saying was, align yourself with me. Understand what I'm saying. I'm here to help. Take what I'm saying, align yourself with it, and then move forward in light of that. There is an aspect of, of belief, of faith, that includes that. That's all wrapped up in that faithfulness. Hmm. So that when we believe in Jesus, it's not just saying, yeah, I believe that he historically existed. Yeah, I believe that he rose from the dead because there are eyewitnesses' accounts that have never been refuted. It also means, and I accept what he says is true, and I live my life on the basis of that. And that kind of brings us to the last thing that I did want to mention, which comes from the book of John. The fact that in the book of John, the noun belief or faith never occurs. Never, ever occurs. But the verb to have faith or to believe occurs something like 75 times. So for John, belief is not something you possess. It's something you do. It's an action. Belief is action-oriented. It's action-oriented in the sense that you align yourself with Jesus and live your life on the basis of that belief. Okay. I, what, that, that to me is really important. For I, So I, I grew up... Always thinking, you know, the once saved, always saved kind of thing. And I do believe that. I do believe that in a way. And it's a controversial topic and it makes people mad when you talk about it. But what you're saying right now, you know, we're we're saved by faith in Christ alone, right? That's the saving grace. And so people take that and they look at this as like a one and done thing. But biblical belief is it, it's a verb in this way. It's leaning into something. It's living into it. I was just recently reading about um, the, the tree of life, and people uh, take that. Uh, it, it says that if they were to eat from the tree of life, that uh, they would live forever, Adam and Eve in the garden. And so a lot of people look at that and think, well, if they just ate that piece of fruit, they would have lived forever. But there's so many scholars that are of the mind, no, you have to keep eating to stay alive. You have to keep eating to keep yourself alive. That the tree of life was this concept of continually coming to this thing that symbolized God and to continually come to God for life. And I think that's what we do with our faith. We continually come to God for life. We all, that's, I mean, 
we weren't necessarily going to get into repentance. Could we? But could we just kind of touch on that sure, for a second? Sure, sure. We don't really have anything written down here, but um, it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Randy is like way, way more of a scholar than I'm ever going to be. Um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> uh, quite a bit, but. Um, Repentance—it's to turn away from, right? To, yeah, it's to, to make a complete one hundred and eighty. Yeah, so so it's to it's to lay it down, walk away from it. Now, that's not to say for people that are struggling with a certain sin in their life or something that they can't come back, pick it up for a second, and then turn back. Away. I mean, like that happens to people for sure. But you have to keep putting it down and walking away. That's that's repentance. Again, a topic that doesn't mention, or a, or a verse that doesn't mention uh, repentance in as many words, but I love it, is Romans twelve one, where Paul talks about our bodies as a living sacrifice. Uh, I heard somebody say one time that the problem with the living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off of the altar. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And, and uh, that communicates to me, because I find myself having to do this on a daily basis. Right. I repent on a daily basis. I, there are things that I've got to lay down and just turn away from, and I wake up the next morning and open my eyes, and lo and behold, there they are again, and right. I've got to lay them down and turn away from them. <laughs> right. Uh, that's the human condition. That's what we're all, I mean, we're all struggling with that. That's right. That's right. But, um, yeah, and so repentance, uh, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier, and that's kind of why I just wanted to touch on that. We will go into more depth on that in a future episode, hopefully. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk about salvation. Okay. Because, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's the big one, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so are you saved? Are you born again is another word that we use. In the Old Testament, salvation did not primarily have a religious connotation. Uh, it was primarily uh, being saved from the enemies. Uh, it was a physical salvation. In fact, uh, in the Old Testament, salvation and healing is uh, synonymous almost. Uh, when, when God heals you, you are saved from that illness. Uh, so you get Isaiah 53, by his stripes... Uh, we are healed. It actually says we are saved. Um, you come to the New Testament, though, and uh, salvation acquires this theological significance where it is salvation from the condition that we've been placed in, the illness of sin that surrounds us, the enemy of sin that invades our body, um, there again, uh, one of the passages that I just love, I studied it for years and years and misunderstood it for years and years and years, is Romans chapter 6, where Paul says, uh, the good that's in me, I want to do, but I don't do it. Uh, sin is in my members. And he just goes on and on and on and presents this horrible condition. And he ends up saying, oh, wretched man that I am, who can free me from this body of death? And it took me probably 20 years of reading that passage over and over and over again before I finally realized, primarily by reading Romans chapter 8, 
um, what it was that Paul was talking about. Because when Paul talks about how sin has possession of him in Romans chapter 7, he repeats the first-person pronoun like 35 times. I, me, my. It's all about what Paul tries to do. When Paul tries to live above sin, when Paul tries to free himself from his own sin, what he finds is that sin just takes total control. So chapter 8 starts, There's therefore no no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And in the next two verses, there is no first-person pronoun, but there's like 12 references to God. And it includes Jesus, it includes God the Father, and it includes the Holy Spirit. So the turnaround is Jesus. When he saves us, we are saved. If we try to save ourselves, yeah, that's, that's worthless, that's meaningless, that's futile. That's, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. Um, I, I, uh, I guess is that kind of a, a look back at, at Paul turning from like a zealous Jew to Christianity? You know, I, yes, yes, but it goes beyond that, I think. I, I, it, it applies to us today, outside the church and inside the church. I mean, outside the church, people can try to live an upright, moral, good life. And by and large, they may succeed, but you know that root of sin is always there. It's always just waiting around the corner and boom, all of a sudden they're they're doing something that they look at it later and said, why in the world did I ever do that? Inside the church, we find the same thing. When we try to live the Christian life in our own power, it's futile, it's worthless, it's meaningless. We cannot do it. But if we're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation because Christ gives us the power to live over those things. Christ saves us from those sin. We've memorized probably John 3, 16 and, and maybe 17. The two really go together. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, there's the belief, whoever believes in him won't be destroyed, won't perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save. And there's that verb for salvation. But to save the world through him. So belief, salvation, it fits together like a hand in a glove. So what, for, for anyone listening right now who may be dealing with sin in their life, that would say they're a Christian that that is saved. What what words of encouragement would you give them in in putting their faith in Christ and not trying to just do this on your own? Because that can be a hard thing to differentiate. That can, oh, it can be. To so I, I guess I mean that that's something I've dealt with in my own life very much. That I you know it seems like every time I try and live for God, it's me trying. You know so. I guess, in your words, what would that look like to just give yourself over to Christ? Well, I think, first of all, recognition. Uh, You've you got to recognize when you are trying to do it on your own, 
And you've got to confess that. You've got to just go to Jesus and say, I can't do this on my own. Help me. Uh, it's, it's a matter of focus. If we focus on the sin that we're trying to overcome, we spend all of our time thinking about sin, and that doesn't do us any good. Right. If we focus on him instead of focusing on the sin, so that when the sin comes, we're saying, okay, Jesus, uh, let me pray to you. It, one of the things it does is it kind of distracts us. Second thing it does, it gets our focus back on where our focus needs to be, which is on him. And third, I think there's a spiritual dynamic there. When we go to him in prayer and say, help Jesus, I mean, that's all we're really doing. I think he does. I, I think he loves to answer that prayer. So whatever the sin is, and it might not be a particular sin, it might just be sin in general or an attitude or a lethargy or I don't know what. Focus on him. When you feel it coming on, turn your eyes to him. Pray. Get out the word. Get out a red-letter Bible and read those red letters. That's right. See what it is that Jesus says. And let him speak to you. Let him, let him speak into your life. Now, that is an over, oversimplification. There are some things that we need to deal with where we need help. We need to go to somebody who's qualified to help us and lay it all out and have them hold us accountable to do certain things and not do other things. But in general, I would start with that idea of focusing on Jesus, going to him in prayer, reading his word, and letting him change us from the inside out. I think that's absolutely right. I mean, and and to bring it full circle, uh, salvation is in Him. Keep come, keep coming back to Him. It's a verb. It, you keep laying down yourself. You, you know that I have to become less and less, and He has to become more and more. That your focus is shifting to Him because that is where salvation lies. Paul talks about that Ephesians two eight. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. So there you get the faith and the saved again. Uh, Paul throws in the word grace. Paul starts by saying, it's God. It all starts with God. God is the source. God is the means. God is the end. So it's God's grace that brings you salvation. What you do is you believe. It's faith. And that Even that, Paul says, that doesn't come from you. Even that is a gift from God. And I think it's it's also very interesting. Like, we 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 read the words of Paul. We we read the words of the disciples, and I've always thought like, well, where are they getting this from? But the longer I'm around, the longer I read the Bible, it's all coming from Jesus. Jesus lived these ways first. They're looking at his life and his ministry, and they're taking those principles and applying them. When Jesus was in the garden praying that he didn't want to die. He's praying to God, he, and then the, the, the disciples fall asleep, and he comes back, and he says, no, wake up and pray so you won't fall into temptation, because he's tempted. He knows. He understands. Absolutely. And so we have a God that completely understands our fears and our, our trials, and he's been there, and he overcame them, and now he's giving you the power to overcome them, too. 
it's amazing to me that he was with them for probably about three years. Those three years have changed 2,000 years of history. Absolutely. That's incredible. N- name one other person who's done that. Not one. Not one. Not one. And, I mean, <laughs> it's controversial once again, you know. There will be people that listen to this and say, oh, no, he didn't, you know. But he did. I'm sorry. He just did. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty solid first uh, bout here. Do you have anything else to add, Randy? No, not really. Um, it, churchy words, just, just the very concept. Think about the words that you use commonly. Do you really, really understand what they mean? Right. I, I, are you asking me? No, I'm okay. asking anybody who's listening. Because <laughs> I'm sure I use words all the time that aren't right. Um, yeah, I want to. I, I want to keep touching on these. I, I think. I think we could pump out a few. Few of these uh, just uh, interesting words. There are a lot of churchy words out there. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Salty Saints. We hope that uh, this blesses you. We hope that you, uh, if you don't know Christ, that you will turn to him and you will give your life to him and uh, you will start to let him make that change in your life. Uh, We will catch you next time and stay salty. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.